imagine being convicted of a crime you didn't commit. Now, that sounds pretty horrendous if you spent a couple of years in jail, but imagine spending uh, 28 years in prison. That's what this man actually did, and uh, you can hear him uh, on a podcast talking about this. And he's got a book as well, The Sun Does Shine, How I Found Life and Freedom on Death Row. His name is Anthony Ray Hinton. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us, and what an extraordinary book. Would you be able to tell your story about how you actually got in jail, what the crime you were um, committed for? Well, first of all, let's make it uh, clear. I didn't commit a crime. Of course, of course. Yeah, wrongly wrongly accused, sorry. For two counts of capital murder, which is in the um, uh, system in America, is you rob someone and you kill them. That's... uh, charge enough for capital murder in uh, the United States. I would love to be able to tell you this evening that the state of Alabama made an honest mistake, but the state of Alabama didn't make an honest mistake. The state of Alabama knew that I had not committed those crimes. For, to be in jail for that long, I, I'm reading it, and you, it's just it's shocking to see all the errors that were made along the way. How could that have been possible? The thing about our judicial system in America is if you're born poor and black, uh, you already uh, is convicted of a crime that you didn't commit, as I was. Uh Uh, The fact that you don't have the money to hire a decent defense lawyer uh, will get you put on death row just as I was. And so our system is not fair. Our system is rigged. Our system needs an overhaul. And every day in this country, black men and black women uh, goes to death row and goes to prison for crime that they didn't commit due to the fact of the color of their skin and the fact that they don't have money to hire a decent lawyer. Now, in this book, it also describes that there was two people who were killed during armed robberies and there was a third armed robbery and the person in that restaurant who wasn't killed um, picked you out of a lineup and pretty much... That's what it was based on, right? And when you got into the police car, when you were picked up, is it true that the police officers said to you, well, you're black, so pretty much you're going in for this crime no matter what? Absolutely. Uh, he told me there was five things that was going to convict me. He said, number one, you're black. Number two, a white man is going to say he, you shot him. Whether you shot him or not, I really don't care. Wow. Believe me, I don't care. And he said, number three, you're going to have a white prosecutor. Number four... You're going to have a white judge. And number five, you're going to have an all-white jury. Uh. And he said, do you know what that spelled? And I said, no. And he said, conviction, 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 conviction. Wow. Wow. So when you're sitting there in prison, right, and you're wrongly convicted, yeah. you're, the best part of your life, 28 years, just ripped out from underneath you, that must make you pretty bitter and, and want to do something pretty bad when you get out. Am I right? Well, it did for the first three years. I won't, I won't try to uh, blow smoke up nobody. The first three years was a, a dark place for me. Uh. Well, all I could think about was escaping and coming out and just kill the men that had put me in there simply because of the color of my skin. Yeah. Three long years, that's all I thought about. I ate hatred. I lived it. I, oh, I can't explain to you how I just wanted to get out. I didn't want to get out now and harm anyone other than the people that had lied on me and put me on death row. Right. But what, what, what's strange about it is 
the very thing that was keeping me alive, which was that hatred that I had for these racist white men, at the end, uh, I realized it was killing me as well. So when, when you did get released and your um, conviction got overturned, was there any recriminations for the people that had effectively set you up all those years ago? Oh, no. Uh, the prosecution, he's dead and in hell. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm being honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, co- police officers, I'm told that they suffer from old times, they have good days and bad days. Right. And so I looked at it that they suffering from all of the evil things that they've done over the course of their career. Uh, and so the judge that sentenced me to death, he is uh, retired and living uh, in Florida somewhere. And so I am here in good health, good mind, and I'm traveling around the world, around the country, if I can get to somewhere and tell him my story and tell him how the system works here in the United States. Right. So isn't that crazy? They said there's no reprimand or anything like that. It's just, oh, whoops, whoops there we sorry. go. Yeah. Um, oh, well, yes, you know, they ripped, they ripped 30 years of my life, and then when it comes time to say, well, well, let me say this first. The state of Alabama, nor anyone in haven't even had the decency to say, Mr. Hinton, we're sorry for yeah. what happened to you. And they haven't apologized because... The color of my skin. Anthony, you're an innocent man convicted of a crime that you didn't do, and you're sitting there in, in on death row. Did you think you would get out? Uh, no, I didn't really think I would get out because I didn't have a lawyer at time. Every time they executed someone, I kept wondering what would my execution be like? Yeah. Who would come to my execution? And I definitely didn't want my mother to come and watch her uh, son be executed. Because people can come and and watch you die, can't they? Yes, yes. It's just like uh, uh, they did back in the old 18, 15, 16, and whatever, uh, on lynching. The crowd comes and they cheer on, oh, he deserved to die, she deserved to die. So, yes, they still have people that come and watch your execution. Anthony, do you believe that there's other people on death row that are innocent? Absolutely. I, I truly believe that there is least five men that I had the uh, great fortune to, to talk to and get to know. Uh, the thing about a man on death row, they will tell you whether they committed the crime or not, and they will tell you that uh, they was on drugs or whatever the case might be, but they w- it's honest. Yeah. They'll say, hey, I deserve to be here. I did what I did, and if the state won't take my life for a bit, but, I, you know, I'm at the point where I don't think, regardless of who did what, we don't have a right to take another life because then we become murdered. Yeah. Mm. How do how do they do it? Is when do you get to pick the way that you die? Well, no, uh, not at the time. Uh, they had uh, the electric chair. Now they don't do the electric chair as much as they did uh, when I first went there. They uh, use uh, lethal injection more now. Got an electric chair. That must have been frightening to think that that is how. You, you were going to go. Is it true that you used to be able to smell? Absolutely. Every time they executed a, a man, you got to realize my cell was 30 feet away from the execution chamber. Uh-huh. And every time they would execute uh, one of the men on death row, you could smell the scent of his body that had been burned alive. Wow. There is no scent in this world worse smelling than that type of scent. Uh, and we there in our cell, we couldn't uh, get the scent out of our nostrils. We tried, and we would throw up, and we would cough. But that scent just stayed there with you for at least 
uh, 12 hours of that. And it was like, I, I never will forget, I asked one of the correction officers, I said, officer, can you get me something uh, so I won't have to smell this scent? Uh, he said, no, I don't have anything, but if there's a consolation to you, one day you'll get used to it. Uh. And I looked at him, and he went to walk away, and he came back, and he said, by the way, one day somebody's going to smell your flesh burning this well. Wow. And wow. I thought how, how, how cruel uh, one can be towards another human being yeah. to tell another man that one day somebody will smell my flesh burn. I thought that was really cruel of that officer. What do you say to any of the guys that were being led towards that room? Like, no doubt you guys have each other to talk to and you befriend some quite unlikely cellmates. Yeah, do you say goodbye? What what do you say before they go, Anthony? Well, the only thing you can say is, listen, uh, we hope that you'll get a stay at the last minute. You always try to get that person that last glimpse of hope that the governor or the Supreme Court, uh, they can step in at any second before they execute them and give them a, a state. And we would tell them, just in case you don't get that state, remember this. You say you have asked God for forgiveness. That's all you ever had to do. But we want you to know that we love you, we care about you, we're going to miss you uh, more than you can ever realize. And we want you to go there and hang your head up. Apologize to the victim family for those that did it. We would say, apologize to the victim family. Let them know that you're truly sorry and tonight, you are not the man that you were when you committed the horrible crime. But let them know that you asked them for forgiveness. Whether they ever forgive you or not, that's not on you. That's on them. Well, it's very interesting. It's a, it's a bizarre life that you've lived. Um, 28 years wrongly imprisoned for murder. And now you're out. Yep. You've got a book, The Sun Does Shine, How I Found Life and Freedom on Death Row. It is available now. Thank you so much, Anthony, for coming on and sharing your story with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me and all the people there in Australia. Hello. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Thank Anthony. Thank you so much, Anthony. What an interesting perspective. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> all right. Good on you, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Take it easy. All right.